Good morning, my friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to our online internet around the world church service. I'm so happy that you are here today. Yes, normally I'm in the uh, church sanctuary on Sunday mornings, but I had a little bit of a technical difficulty. We couldn't quite get it figured out. I think it's something that's uh, not actually on our end with the servers, but we will get that resolved and overcome by God's grace. And next Sunday, I, I plan on being back there, but I greet you from the Studio B. Praise God. You know, it's always good to have a backup. Praise God. So I thank the Lord that we actually have two internet studios. Praise God. And of course, our television studio is in Charlotte, but I so enjoy coming to you twice every week. And it's God's word that is building you up to do all that he's called you to do. You're going to hear his word today. And it's God's word that empowers you to be the person that God has called you to be. And I also believe that today's message will definitely help move you forward in that area. Now, let's honor the Lord by first receiving the tithes and the offerings. We're going to bring them into the storehouse of God. But I would like to share a couple of verses from Genesis chapter 43. Praise the Lord. Verse 1. Now the famine was severe in the land. You know, is it just me, or have you also noticed that the price of groceries has literally doubled. I mean, I think it's actually twice as much as it was last year. And of course, there is the increase in gasoline prices, uh, whether it's gasoline, diesel, or whatever it might be. We are seeing the effects of inflation. In times like this, we as God's people need to know that Jehovah Jireh is faithful and that we can work with God from a position of being in covenant with him. So no matter what type of famine or challenge comes within the earth's economic system, then we have God's provision to soar above the problem. Verse two, and it came to pass when they had eaten up the grain, which they had brought from Egypt, that their father said to them, go back, buy us a little food. And notice that he didn't say, go back and beg. He said, buy. So even despite the problem with inflation, Isaac, excuse me, not Isaac, but Jacob, Jacob still has plenty of money to send uh, the boys back down there, who are, of course, full-grown men, send his men back down there, his sons, and buy what they need, not borrow or hope for a government lend-out uh, program, but he's sending them back with money. Something also interesting that we see when he sends them back to Egypt is in verse 11. And their father Israel said to them, If it must be so, <coughs> excuse me, then do this. Take some of the best fruits of the land in your vessels and carry down a present for the man, a little balm and a little honey, spices and myrrh, pistachio nuts and almonds. Can you believe that Israel, in a time of famine, not only has necessary provisions and money, he's also got nice things. He has the good of the land, and he's going to even send a gift as his sons go back down into Egypt. I tell you what, that's the blessing of the Lord to be able to walk in a place of abundance, even when there's famine that's going on. Verse 12, take double money in your hand and take back in your hand the money that was returned in the mouth of your sacks 
Perhaps it was an oversight. And so, verse 15, So the men took that present and Benjamin, and they took double money in their hand, and arose and went down to Egypt, and they stood before Joseph. You know, Israel even had the ability to give to his sons double money. Think about that. When money, it's losing its buying power and the cost of goods and services is increasing, he still has enough to send a gift to make purchases and to even cover in this area that he thinks could have been a mistake, but he's going to give them double to return that. This, my friends, is a man that's blessed, that's operating in God's provision, even during times of famine. We have Abraham, Isaac, and here we have Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel. These are covenant men. And when you are in covenant with God, God will take care of you no matter what takes place. I want you to be a covenant practitioner. And these men were men that understood the tithe. I under, you know, I know that sometimes Christians today say, well, the tithing was under the law. But Abraham, because he is the spiritual father of faith, Abraham was tithing by faith when there was no law or a commandment that said that you have to do it. He was doing it as an expression of his faith. There are some people that say they're willing to lay their whole lives down to serve the Lord, but they won't even lay the tithe down, which God already says belongs to himself. So my friends, let's honor the Lord during times where there are uh, elements of what we would call famine where there is increase in inflation, in increase in prices, and other financial stresses that many people are feeling the heat. So we thank God that we can have a covenant, and just like uh, Israel, he's just riding above it. He has whatever he needs. Praise the Lord. God's going to make a way for you. Honor the Lord with the tithe that belongs to him, and also sow financial seed. And we see that even these great men of God knew how to sow seed, even during time of famine. Prosperity is never an accident. Prosperity is a result for the believer of practicing the, the biblical requirements of sowing, reaping, tithing, so that we might prove ourselves trustworthy in the eyes of the Lord. Any wealth or riches that are gained that were gained in, an, in a, I would say, an illicit way. Uh, it could have even been legal, but not in the eyes of God. It's wrong. Or wealth that's gained suddenly and cannot, uh, you may, maybe like a gambling type thing, uh, caused a person some sudden wealth. Uh, the people that come into that type of money or wealth, they can't control it. They have not been raised up through a proper structure that builds into them the value that they actually have in uh, what they're holding in their hand or holding in their bank account. But when you've earned it, in a sense, by working the principles and working a job or whatever it might be, and you are working the commandments of the Lord, then you realize that as God lifts you up, it's not just something that you have. It's something that you are a steward over, and stewardship is all about knowledge, and that's what you pick up when you are a practitioner of God's covenant. 
All right, having said that, let's now honor the Lord. Let's practice the covenant. Let's bring the tithe and let's sow seed and let's bless the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you would like to mail in your tithes and offerings, please send them to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 717, Moravian Falls, North Carolina. Our zip code is 28654. If you prefer to go online and bring your tithe and your offering in electronically, please visit the ministry website, stephenbrooks.org. There's a link on the homepage that has a red heart on it, and it says Give. And you can uh, click on that and go online and bring that tithe in. If you want to sow a special seed for uh, an offering that the ministry is involved in, a work that we're doing, then click on the orange link on the homepage that says projects, and you'll see the various projects we are actively involved in. And thank you so much for your giving. Heavenly Father, bless your people. I thank you, Father God, that even if an egg cost a thousand dollars, uh, they could still have a scrambled egg for breakfast. I praise you, Father God, that you will provide the increase to lift your people above any uh, line of struggle. I thank you, Father, that the covenant works day and night. Uh, the covenant works uh, no matter what's going on in the earth. The covenant is stronger than these circumstances. We thank you that your covenants prevail over all earthly conditions. Thank you, Father. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. You know, gravity's working right now, or else we'd be all floating off into space. There are things that God established, and they're never going to change. Uh, there's uh, scriptures that talks about how the sea cannot uh, surpass its boundary. And even if there is a big storm, maybe you know, even a tsunami, it all goes right back out into the ocean. It goes in, and then rushes right back out. So, uh, there are boundaries that God has set. There are laws that God has decreed. And His covenant is just as sure as the sun and moon uh, exchanging places every day and every night. It's so good to have security in the midst of a world that is moved by fear, uncertainty, and things like that. We can be stable. And I'll tell you something extra. Not only uh, are these things good for us, but these things, uh, what God is doing now is He's going to show off the church. Because even in times of trial or whatever the case might be, the church is going to shine bright and the church will continue to go forward. God's people will continue to be blessed, no matter even if there's famine in the land, because we are His covenant people. Praise God. Amen. Now, before I jump into today's message, let me share with you that our Israel tour, May 7th through May 17th, 2023, is on the calendar. It's ready uh, for the brochure to be downloaded. When you go to the ministry website, stephenbrooks.org, on the homepage, you'll see that first slider, and there it is. That's the Israel tour. You can click on it. It'll take you to the uh, entire description. Every place we're going to go, all the wonderful things that we're going to do, why don't you just click on that and print that out, and you have that to look at, and I want you to sign up. Those of you that want to go to Israel with my wife, Kelly, and I, it's going to be a great time. So I would love for you to pray. Go ahead and get registered, get signed up, and get ready to go with Israel uh, with us in May of 2023. Woo! Praise God. Now, today, I want to talk about the mystery around the subject of Holy Communion. 
I suppose with communion, you could just look at the bread or the juice and you could say, well, it's just a piece of bread or uh, sometimes people say it's a symbol. Sometimes others, I was raised in church being taught that it was an element. These are the elements of the flesh and blood. But let's jump into the scriptures and let's also look at church history and let's dig a little bit deeper into this subject because there's a reason why we need to know uh, the truth about communion. We'll talk about this today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we go into your word, we do ask that your Holy Spirit bring illumination, understanding, because Father, we can't apply your word if we don't understand it. We ask for your Holy Spirit to turn the light on today to our understanding. We give you praise in Jesus' name. We all say, Amen. Praise God. You know, there's different things in the study of biblical subjects that uh, ministers, uh, sometimes they see it differently. I, today I want to share my thoughts on communion. Uh, I know that in the area of eschatology, the study of end time events, you have quite a wide range of views and beliefs on that. And uh, eventually, uh, you know, I, I asked a minister friend, I said, what, what are your thoughts on the end times eschatology? He said, you know, I've never really studied about that in our, uh, our, you know, uh, our group. We just, uh, we just are kind of like, well, I guess it'll just eventually end how, however it ends and we'll just see what happens. <laughs> I said, well, <laughs> yeah, it, it'll definitely certainly end. What will the ending be? How will things wrap up? And then you, so then you have the area of the study of the tribulation. Uh, then you have the question of when is it? Uh, some actually say it's already happened. I don't believe that. Uh, those that will be in the all-millennial camp believe that. But then you have pre-trib, uh, pre post-trib. Uh, some are very adamant about mid-trib, and on and on it goes. And I used to be in one camp of that area, and I preached the message, and I felt really good about it. And then this uh, one lady, she, she said, uh, that was a good message, uh, Stephen. She said, uh, but you know, some of the other guys, they can present theirs pretty good, tru uh, uh, pretty good too. So what is the truth on that? Well, my true, my, well, my understanding of that is that however this is going to work out, I do have certain persuasions. The bottom line is that God's children are not appointed unto wrath. So wrath and punishment, it's not for God's people. It's for the wicked. And they're going to get blasted with it. All the God haters, all the ones that profane and curse God's name. And despite all of the reaching out with the salvation message and having heard the gospel and them rejecting it, there will come a time where those upon the earth who are the wicked are going to receive the wrath of God. But I know that that wrath is not for God's people. We are not appointed to wrath. So just knowing that is extremely comforting uh, with some of the heavy stuff that will eventually be coming down the line. So today I want to talk about communion, which there's various camps on communion. And you have some that will say that when you take the, the bread and the grape juice, they say, now these are only symbols, or sometimes they use the word element. These are the elements of the communion. Uh, that's kind of what I grew up with. I heard that all of my life as a young child and a young man growing up into my early 20s until, until the Lord moved me on, gave me further understanding and insight, primarily through the baptism in the Holy Spirit, and I began to see more in that area. But you know, the same good ministers that led me into the gospel or preached the gospel to me and led me into salvation, uh, they also were the good ministers who were 
misunderstanding of the ways of God concerning the Holy Spirit. They would say things like, there's no more miracles today. Uh, you know, there's none of this, there's none of that. And uh, I tell you what, it, it just got to where there was, there was not much joy in, the, in our Christian experience. We believed, of course, that we were going to go to heaven, but it's almost like the good days were the days of the early church, and there wasn't much after that. There's no power, no miracles today, or but basically no joy today. So that was tough. But they were the same ones telling me that these are the elements. These are, the, the, these are symbols. In other words, it's not real. And I just began to realize as I uh, began to think, you know, as I thought on it more and more, I thought, well, they were wrong about that. Maybe they're wrong about this too. <laughs> <laughs> so, I will say this. Our Pentecostal uh, friends in Africa, uh, those that would be charismatic, Pentecostal, or basically what we know as filled with the Spirit, full gospel, uh, they've understood blood covenants for a long time because of all the occultism coming out of Africa, and a lot of it, the main part would be West Africa. They've understood the spirit realm also. For quite a long time. So the Western church has been uh, walking in some lights uh, that those in the other countries took them a while to catch some of the things that we've had. But at some of these other areas, uh, I wouldn't say they've been decades ahead of us. I'd say more like maybe a century or so ahead of us. But it's not uncommon at all in some of the largest spirit-filled churches in Africa for the pastor uh, or the apostle, a bishop, a bishop, whatever, to stand up and say, let's all get ready. We're going to receive the flesh and the blood of Jesus. We're going to eat his flesh and drink his blood. And uh, that's not uncommon at all over there, nor is it uncommon, of course, in the Catholic Church or in the Eastern Orthodox Church. They, they've caught this and something they've walked in, you know, for a long, long time. But here, mainly in the Western church, we deal with this area strongly of intellectualism. And I've said it before, it's not that the American church throws out the Holy Spirit. Uh, they, allow the, the, they believe in the Holy Spirit. They just uh, don't give him any room to move. <laughs> so they stifle the Holy Spirit. And uh, so there's a lot of intellectualism. But I'll, I'll tell you what, there are things about the Bible in God's Word, that while we need to study and apply ourselves and use the intellects that God gave us, there are some things that only come by revelation. And this is totally true with the mysteries of the kingdom. They're mysteries on purpose. And if you can't unravel them, you'll never know what they mean, even if they're right beneath your nose the entire time. So it is the Holy Spirit who helps us to understand the kingdom mystery of communion. And that is what we are talking about today. Praise God. So we can thank the Lord Jesus that we can have understanding of communion and what it does. So the understanding of kingdom mysteries, what it will actually do is bring heaven into your life. Again, when I was raised in church as a young boy, uh, everything about heaven was off in the distance. All the songs we sang out of the hymn books was one day when we die, we'll cross over. And, you know, songs like that. Then we'll get to heaven, stuff like that. Uh, and we had an understanding that as long as we were still here on the earth, we're probably going to get beat up, tossed around, knocked down, uh, run over by the devil. But one day it'll finally all be over. But that is not what we see 
uh, revealed in the new covenant. Praise God. So God wants us to have some heaven here on earth. Thank you, Lord Jesus. By understanding God's will and God's will is his word. His word is the expression of his will. When we understand God's will, we can then disarm all principalities and powers. And we can also let the devil know, Hey, you can't push us around, knock us down and kick us around anymore. That is all over with praise God. So God doesn't want you perpetually struggling while you're here on the earth. And the more light that you have, when I'm talking about light, I'm talking about understanding the more light you have on these subjects, particularly the areas of kingdom mysteries, the more light you have, the more of a breakthrough of heaven on earth you have in your life, in your life, in your home, in your work, in your family, in your marriage, etc. your relationships and on and on it goes, even your health and so forth. Praise God. You know, I was thinking about the early days of internet. I know uh, many of you would know what that's like. Remember the old uh, dial-up days? You had to take like a disc, like a, like a CD-ROM or something like that, and you had to put it in your computer and download AOL. And then slowly the internet would come on. But it was so slow, it was like three or four uh, megabytes a minute. And it's just like, uh, there was no HD at that time. You know, we talk about 1080p or 4k as you know, there was none of that. Everything was like dinosaur slow, but today that's not the case. Why they have gotten understanding of how all this works. They've gotten understanding of fiber technology. And, you know, I was in Los Angeles last year and I had my, my cell phone with me and uh, I just noticed that everything was going, uh, if I checked an email, everything was instant. So I just did a speed test. And I'm not even on the internet. I'm just on, at that time, it, it would be 5G. So this is coming down uh, either from, uh, that would be uh, uh, towers, cell phone towers. And I did a speed test, and it was it was one gig. So that's 1,000 megabytes down and 1,000 up. That means I could stand there out in the parking lot, and I could stream a 4K movie with no buffering if I wanted to. And I thought, wow, we've come a long ways on the internet from the AOL dial-up. <laughs> so, but the reason there has been such progression in this area is because men and women uh, went behind the scenes and began to work and get all this figured out and take the mystery out of it. And now because of that, we can utilize it and step into it and enjoy it. So in the same way, the things of the Holy Spirit that once seemed impossible or even you could use the word unattainable. Um, they've now become available to us because of the unraveling of the mystery behind them. And in, in context, we're talking about the mystery behind communion. Mm -mm. Praise God. This is going to change you, this message, in a way that the next time you take communion, which won't be uh, too much longer. It's going to be in a few minutes down the road here. The next time you take communion, something is going to begin to happen to you. Praise God. So the communion table, sometimes called the Lord's Supper, sometimes called the Eucharist. The Eucharist is a word that mainly uh, implies being thankful. It comes from an old word, uh, old word that means thanksgiving. So whether you call it the communion table or the Lord's Supper or whatever you want to call it, it's a vital mystery that gives us dominion in all of these different areas 
that we have in our lives. And this is something that I want you to consider also, because while some churches, they, they really focus on communion from a perspective of trying to nail it down as a church doctrine, and I'm, I'm not saying that it's not, but I would, instead of you having, having a view of it as being a church doctrine, I would rather you see it as being the wisdom of God that's contained in the scriptures, which guarantees you not only a great future, but some heaven on earth in your life right now. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, communion will get the devil off of your back. Hallelujah. This is not a little cracker and grape juice boost. In other words, it's not a snack. When I uh, served communion as a young boy, I was a teenager, and me and my brothers would serve, the, serve on the communion table. You know, you would kind of be taught by the pastor, and then the elders would teach you. And then if some of the elders were never there, uh, then that, that's how you get taught these things. And so me and my brothers would uh, serve communion. And, uh, you know, we'd try to act all dignified. Everybody's all serious, you know, and stuff like that. And then after it's over, we take it in the back. And uh, me and my brothers were taken in the back. Sometimes uh, it was usually three of us because we're also the ones passing it out. Not, over pre- not only praying over it, but passing it out and, you know, and making sure it goes down the aisle and the other guy gets it, sends it back down. You know how it goes. Well, we, after it's done, we take it back in the room and we're just teenagers and all of the grape juice that was left, we just start drinking it out of the little glasses. <laughs> And all, any crackers left, we'd eat them too. <laughs> so, you know, um, uh, we just didn't really understand hardly anything about communion. Mm, mm, mm. Didn't have light. Didn't have light in the area. And it's kind of funny because at the same time, in the literal physical church building, or we gathered as a church, there was always real dim lights. I, I used to think, why doesn't somebody turn on some lights? Now, I understand we didn't have LEDs back then, but the lighting was always so like, got a strain to read your Bible. There's always dim lights. I realized later that was a reflection of our dim, uh, dimly illuminated spiritual state. Whoo, praise God. Mm-mm-mm. The Father, the Father God wants you to yield to the Holy Spirit and the Word of God so that the light will come on and you could walk into greater levels of freedom. Say Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. So view communion not so much as a church doctrine. You've got to get the doctrine all correct and stuff like that. View it more as the wisdom of God, the wisdom of God that guarantees you a great future. Now, let's jump into some of the amazing things that Jesus said about communion. We're going to go to the Gospel of John. Let's go to John chapter 6, and let's drop down to verse 53. Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. That is one of the most incredible statements. And there's a lot of people, when I say people, I guess I'm referring to ministers, that say, oh, he's only speaking symbolically, or he's only using metaphorical terminology. I, I understand that there are times when we read the Bible that you can tell, okay, they're not being literal here. They're using symbol, symbolism or like a, a, an expressive language that we, we understand that. But 
you, you study this context of this whole chapter slowly and carefully, sure seems to me he's talking literal. And many others that have studied it as well have come to the same conclusion. I want to read this verse to you um, from the NIV. The NIV did a great translation on this verse. And it says, and this, of course, would be Jesus speaking, For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Wow, that is just absolutely incredible. And verse 56, he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. So every time you take communion with an understanding of what you're doing, it will deliver to you undeniable proofs that are manifested in your life but you have to take it with an understanding. Oh, praise God. Without the understanding, you could literally do stuff like I was doing. I was a teenager back there in the back, just gulping down the leftover grape juice, (laughs) giggling and laughing with your brother or with the other teenagers that sometimes had to help out with it as well. Wow. Praise God. So you can see the vast difference of what the results can be when you take it with an understanding. Let's go to Psalm 103. Psalm 103. Let's take a look at uh, verse 5, please. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, and verse 5, who satisfies your mouth with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. So when you put the right things in your mouth, and it's God that, that satisfies you, He's going to feed you good. When you eat the right food, your youth is renewed like the eagles. This is very important because the quality of what we eat determines the quality of life and health that we experience. And it is true that what we eat does affect our energy and affects our strength or lack of it. So we need to eat good food. So God satisfies our mouth with good things when we eat what he gives us Our youth is renewed like the eagles. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. The partaking of the Holy Communion is the most nutritional meal on earth. I know there's some good supplements that are out there, but remember with supplements, they are just that. They're they're only a supplement. They're not a meal. But this is a miracle meal that we're going to take today. Hallelujah. Have yours ready over on the side. These are not supplements. These are not symbols. This is a miracle meal. Praise God. And it will produce miracle results in your body. It is the most nutritional meal on earth. Now let's go to Mark chapter 14. Mark 14. Let's drop down to verse 22. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them, 
and said, Take ye, this is my body. Then he took the cup, and we, when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many. Woo! Praise God, because we are included in that many. When we partake of Holy Communion, we receive the body and the blood of the Lord in the veiled form of what appears to be a little bitty wafer, or in some cases, for some of you, just you know, a little piece of bread. Okay, So it appears to be just bread and some grape juice. But the bread and juice are not a symbol of the Lord's body and blood. But when we receive communion after having prayed over it and receive it with the right understanding, we are receiving the very presence of Christ himself, his flesh, and his blood. Praise God. Now, back to John chapter 6. John chapter 6. And this time, let's go to verse 48. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever and the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. Praise God. The manna that the Israelites ate was something that was very, very special and unusual. Forty years, the Israelites were in the desert, and they ate that manna, and it had a very strange effect upon their bodies. It was a good effect. Look at what it did to them in Psalm 105. Psalm 105 and verse 37. He also destroyed all the firstborn in their land, the first of all their strength. He also brought them out with silver and gold, and there was none feeble among his tribes. So when they came out, they were strong, and they go into the wilderness, and they walk around all of those years, and there's no swelling in their feet. Not even their clothes are wearing out. Eating that manna did something to them supernaturally where they were just able to keep on going. Wow. Their health and vitality was a result of eating what Sometimes we call angel food. Woo, praise God. But communion is a much higher quality food than even angel food. Wow. Communion is a miracle meal. Now look at this with Joshua chapter 14. Joshua chapter 14. This is going to show us something about Caleb. Joshua chapter 14, verse 10. And now behold, the Lord has kept me alive. As he said, these 45 years, ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses while Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now here I am this day, 85 years old. As yet, I am as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so now was my strength for war, both for going out and for coming in. 
Now, therefore, give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day. Well, here is Caleb after having eaten angel food, the manna for 40 years. He says, I'm just as strong today as I was back then. I'm just as strong. Now give me my mountain. I'm ready to go. There's something about communion that is able to energize you and strengthen you. And just like the eagle has this strength renewed, when you put the good thing of God in your mouth and he feeds you, he renews your strength. Taking communion, which is what God feeds you with, is what gives you the strength to rise up like the eagle. So manna was an inferior meal, but it still kept Caleb going full speed ahead at the age of 85. But communion is the superior meal and it will fully keep you going every single day that you're alive until your time is complete. Wow. Praise God. Thank Jesus. May the Lord be praised for his gracious gift of his flesh and blood that we can receive through communion. Communion is designed, of course, for our strength, our health, our longevity, or what we would call the fulfillment of our days. It's also designed for victory over sin. That's very important. But I believe that the greatest thing communion is designed for, and I'm not the only one that thinks this. I believe many of the mystic saints have commentated on this same thing. They've come to the same, the same viewpoint is that communion is primarily designed for union with God. Mm -mm. You and God just merging together. Praise the Lord. You and him and he and you. Wow. Communion will give you victory over all forms of weakness sicknesses, all of the yucky diseases that are floating around out there and viruses and so forth. And even over unclean habits, it has the ability to break, dissolve, and remove them all. So communion is primarily about coming into oneness with Christ. That's why you want to take communion. How does communion enforce that oneness? How does it work? Pastor Stephen, good question. Communion works to see to it that anything that is not in Christ is not found in you and also sees to it that what is found in him, leadership, wisdom, faith, peace, what is found in him is found in you. Praise God. But a lot of people, they need communion for that union primarily for them so that what is not in Christ is not found in them. Let's think about that just for a moment. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Can you, can you imagine that if you were Peter and James, and you had to go see Jesus, you go to Capernaum, knock on his door, but you're in such a hurry, just knock real quick and go right in. And you catch Jesus off guard and he's over there, bent over, and he's throwing up, and he's vomiting into a trash can. And you say, Jesus, what in the world are you doing? He goes, fellows, I'm sorry that you have to see me like this, but I've struggled for, for 15 years with anorexia. I just throw up everything I eat. I, I just, I just uh, have some kind, of a, some kind of a problem. Y'all come over here and lay hands on me right now and pray for me. 
Can you imagine Jesus ever having bulimia, anorexia? Can you ever imagine Jesus saying, Men, you 12 men, I've called, I've called you and I've chosen you and I've appointed you. And it's now time for me to start my ministry and you're going to stand with me and help me out. Now, Peter, you're going to be the one that pushes my wheelchair. And Thomas, there's something about you. I just suspect you've got some doubt in you. So Thomas, you're going to get the heavy job. Thomas, I want you to carry my oxygen tank. And uh, Andrew, make sure you got my pill box because I need my nitroglycerin tablets and my blood thinners. Make sure it's all there. Men, it's time for me to save the world. Let me, let me say this. What's not found in him is not supposed to be found in us. But if there are things in us that were not in him, we need to take communion so that the communion can do its work. I'm telling you, it goes to work on these things and it begins to knock them out. Praise God. Praise God. I've met full grown men, big and strong with muscles that are afraid to get on an airplane. And it's not because airplanes are crashing all the time. It's because they have a phobia. They have a fear. Brother, how come you don't want to get on that plane? Oh, I ain't never getting on a plane. You ain't getting me on no plane. And yet they're big and strong, muscles and all that. We won't get on an airplane. Can you imagine Jesus uh, walking up the, uh, the, the uh, steps to get to the plane, to get on the plane, and halfway up he goes, he turns around and says to his apostles, Oh, I can't do it. Oh, no, I'm afraid of planes. Brethren, uh, uh, somebody rent us a train. We're going to have to take the train or, or, or get the bus. I can't get on these planes. Would you ever see anything like that in Jesus? If it's not found in him, it's not supposed to be in us. You have to have an awareness that when you take communion, communion's knocking these things out. Mm, mm, mm. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Glory, glory, glory to God. When we receive the bread, the Lord's flesh, we receive strength. We eat good things. God gives us good things. And we have our strength renewed like that of the eagle. Somebody's is being renewed right now. And as you take communion, you're going to feel that extra touch. Praise God. And when we receive the blood of Jesus, we receive a transfusion, praise God, from the Lord Jesus Christ of his life flowing into us. The blood of Jesus, or excuse me, the blood of Jesus, yes, was portrayed through the Passover blood that was applied by the Israelites when they were in Egypt. Whenever the angel of death saw the blood, what did he do? He passed over that house. The blood of the lamb exempted God's people from the sorrows and the tragedies that others who were disobedient were experiencing. The blood was put on the doorpost of the Hebrews, but now the blood of Jesus is absorbed into our bodies when we receive Holy Communion. Jesus is the Passover lamb of the new covenant. And when we receive his blood, we also participate in exemption from the wickedness the evils, the diseases and sicknesses that are in the earth today. So it's very interesting when you look at Moses endeavoring to get God's people out of Egypt and the various plagues and Pharaoh's heart getting hard 
and harder. And he's just uh, unrelenting in this area of refusing to let God's people go, even trying to make Moses compromise. Well, just take your people out, leave your cattle here. And all these you know, compromising things. And Moses said, no, we're, we're, we're going to do this the right way. We're all leaving us and all of our cattle, all of our possessions. There is no compromise, but Pharaoh would not let them go. So every possible attempt was made to bring Israel, uh, to bring Israel out of Egypt. And Pharaoh was stifling every attempt until, until God introduced the blood weapon and my friends, it's like, it's like a very high level game of cards. There is that card. If you have that special one and you know, it, nobody else has it because you're the one that has it. It doesn't matter what anybody else's hand is. If you've got that card in your hand, that is sometimes they use the word Trump card, but I'm telling you the blood card, it's the one that. That's the breakout moment right there. And when the blood weapon was released, the blood card was played. Pharaoh was toast. He was done. He's like, well, my son's been killed. The firstborn was killed. The firstborn of everyone in Egypt, including all the firstborn of the animals uh, and humans, wiped out, killed. And that, that blood card is the thing that brought deliverance for God's people. And it's the blood of Christ that... You may have tried everything else. You may have tried everything else. But I'm telling you, when you receive the blood of Jesus, when you take communion, I'm telling you, there's nothing that can keep you captive any longer. Not even for one day longer. Praise God. Not even for another minute longer when you know what communion is doing. Praise God. Matter of fact, when the, when the blood was, was used... Uh, I mean, Pharaoh, the next day he, before he's like, you're never going to go. You're never going to go. The next day he's like, out, get out. <laughs> and all of the Egyptians were like, get out. They all thought the Egyptians all thought they were going to die. So they wanted them out. The blood of lambs brought them out of Egypt and none of the crazy diseases of Egypt were able to follow God's people. Mm, the blood you're about to receive the holy meal the miracle meal of the flesh and blood of Jesus. And when you do, none of these crazy things today in the earth are going to be able to hunt you down or stick to you. We have various forms of COVID that are still floating around out there. We have a lot of other worse things, of course. We have this monkeypox uh, thing that seems to try to, uh, well, it's actually spreading quite rapidly what the news is not accurately reporting because it's a, a narrative that they have to try to play is that the reality is that the monkeypox is spreading rapidly through the homosexual community and the only the only true antidote is the blood of Jesus you cannot take communion and have it work in your life unless you are born again if you take it and you're not a Christian you're just eating a cracker and you're drinking some juice. That's, that's all you're doing. You have to be born again. It's for the covenant children of God. Mm -mm. But I'm telling you, uh, if you have one of these diseases, one of these things, and you're a child of God, I'm telling you, not even AIDS, not even the AIDS virus can stand up against the blood 
It, the blood of Christ trumps everything. Mm -mm. Jesus, we give you praise. The blood of Jesus is the ultimate price paid that enables us to enjoy the ultimate life that Jesus promised us in John chapter 10, verse 10. I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. When you start taking communion with an understanding, you start experiencing much, much more of the abundant life. So whatever is resisting the place of blessing that you're supposed to stand in, that resistance cannot survive the power of the blood of Jesus. And that power is released into your body through the miracle meal. Praise the Lord. Now, once again, I want to begin to conclude. I want to say once again that taking the flesh and the blood is not enough just in and of itself, but it's taking it with an understanding. That's what guarantees outstanding results. You are taking communion with an understanding of what's going on here. Mm -mm. Wow. And I can understand why some evangelicals, good evangelical theologians and ministers debate it and say, well, it's just an emblem or symbol. But you know what? Let me say this from the side of being a Pentecostal that believes in miracles and visions and the gifts of the Spirit. I had the Holy Spirit come up on me one time in a meeting when a minister was blessing the communion. And the moment he prayed that blessing, I was, I, I was taken by the Holy Spirit into the Spirit and I was made to know, and I was shown, I could understand it. I said, oh my Lord, it's real. And I had always thought it was. I always thought this, hey, if I'm just taking some kind of an element or symbol, there's not, not, not much really going on. All, all this turns into is like an act of remembrance or memory of what Jesus did, but there was no power being released. But when I realized, oh my goodness, this is just like it says in the Bible, this is just like it said, like Jesus said, for my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. And I was in the spirit and I saw it. And your intellect can, can struggle with these things, which is also why these, this is a mystery. This is a kingdom mystery that people look at it and they think, I, I don't understand it. Uh, it looks like just a piece of bread and grape juice. Yes, it's a mystery. And you can't come into the unraveling of it and see it un the mystery unveiled just through intellect. You have to come with the spirit of faith and then the Holy Spirit unveils it. Praise God. Mm -mm. So taking the flesh and blood is not enough, but taking it with understanding is what guarantees outstanding results in your life. Praise God. Let me share a few results. This is just a few. I've got, I could share, I could, I could sit down and share for hours, but I just want to present the message of the word to you. I want to give a few examples and then you can pray and you can begin to take Holy Communion and begin to experience God's power in your life in a very new way that whatever was not in his body, it is not permitted to be in your body. It's not supposed to be there. I can never picture Jesus with heart disease. I can never uh, picture Jesus saying, oh, I've got lung cancer. 
I've been smoked by boys. You know, I've had a smoking problem. Looks like that, that cigarette finally caught up with me. Now, y'all pray for me. I got a real, I got a real cancer problem here. I could never in my life picture Jesus having these things. So if the devil ever attacks you with something, because we live in a fallen world, if he ever attacks, with, uh, attacks you, then you know what to do. You need to take Holy Communion. And I take it every day. My wife takes it every day. And we are enjoying the, the blessing that comes with that. Now, let me share a few things about those throughout church history that took communion. St. Rita of Cassia. She's pretty well known in some circles. Uh, St. Rita, for the last four years of her life, she lived entirely on nothing but the communion. One little wafer, a uh, little like half ounce of grape juice. She lived on that for the last four years of her life. No food. Um, Domenica Lazari, she lived on, the, on communion uh, with no food and no water. She lived on communion only for 12 years. Anne Louise Leto, she lived on communion alone for 12 years. No food, not a single drop of water. Sister Alpace, she was a poor peasant girl who was strengthened by the communion, and she lived on it alone with no food or water for 10 years. Sister Elizabeth the Good, that's a nice name to have. She lived on communion alone for three years. Catherine of Rakanigi, she lived on communion alone for 10 years. Mary Ann de Paradise, she, let's see here, she only, uh, she took communion once in the morning and she would only have one ounce of bread every 10 days. That's all she needed. Praise the Lord. And Catherine Emmerich, she's very well known. She lived on the Eucharist, the communion alone for 12 years, just the flesh and the blood of Jesus served once daily, little wafer, little bit of juice. That was it for 12 years. Mel Gibson used her writings to form the script, the Passion of Christ movie. That's, that's the source he went to for that movie. St. Nicholas von Flew, he lived on nothing but communion for 20 years, not a drop of water and no food. And I, I agree with church historians that if it were not for St. Nicholas von Flew, the beautiful nation with its pristine high mountains, the nation of Switzerland would not exist today if it had not been for his intercession and his skill in international diplomacy to divert wars. And he was a man of prayer and fasting. No food, no water for 20 years, and he was married and had children. Woo! <laughs> I think some of you about fell off your chair, praise God, when you heard that. Praise the Lord. Amen. See, remember Enoch. He walked with God and was not, for God took him, but Enoch was married and had children. Praise God. You can have a deep walk with God and still do everything that God has called you to do. Thank you, Jesus. Alexandria da Costa, she passed away in 1955. She lived the last 13 years of her life with no food, no water, nothing but communion. Now, what was interesting about her is several things. One, the, the tremendous presence of God that was upon her life. She had to lay in the bed because she got sick. She had a paralysis. 
But the presence of God was so strong on her life. At one point, she had 1,000 visitors a day passing through her little room. And there, was a, there would be a man that stood there next to her bed, and he'd just say, keep it going, keep it going, because people wanted to walk past her because of the presence of God that was upon her. But she was also extremely well-studied by medical science because uh, the, the doctors didn't believe it. The nurses didn't believe it. They all thought somebody's slipping her food. There's no way that she could be doing this. And her case is amazing. Um, I'll tell you something else about her in just a moment. But what happened is that the doctor said, we're, we're going to have to verify this. And so they took her to a hospital. Now, she'd already at this point been several years with no food, no water. So she goes to the hospital, and for 40 days and 40 nights, they had a shift of nurses and doctors watch her nonstop, nonstop. When a shift came in, they would take all the sheets off, take all of her covers off. It was very humiliating for her and to make sure that nobody slipped her a little cracker or something like that. They examined everything. And most of the nurses were not believers. The main doctor was absolutely a not a believer, and he mocked her many times. But after 40 days, when the examination was concluded, and they never saw any water, any food, and all she got every day was one little wafer and about an ounce of juice, the flesh and blood. That was it. And the doctor, in his written report, said, I don't understand it. Intellectually, I cannot comprehend it. But yet, there's the reality that she is living, she keeps on going and she's living and all she's taking is the communion. And the doctor said, I don't understand it, but it speaks for itself. <laughs> now later, when she was released and sent back to her little place, later that doctor really had a heart for her and went and would support her. And he really became an admirer of her. And many of the nurses also fell in love with her heart for the Lord. And they also became Christ followers. And, oh, it's just incredible. As a matter of fact, here is what the Lord told her uh, when, before this ever happened, before she didn't need to eat or drink. She said that Jesus told her, You are living by communion alone because I want to prove to the world the power of communion and the power of my life in souls. So she was a living witness. Every verification you could think of. I'm telling you, it's a miracle meal. It's a miracle meal. Praise God. How about this one? Teresa Newman. I've studied her life a lot. She, had, uh, she got to a point where she's living only on communion, and she had no, not even a desire for food, didn't want food, had no desire for drink, didn't miss it or anything like that. She was a very interesting lady. Uh, she, of course, she lived in Germany. The Gestapo didn't know what to do with her because she had thousands of people wanting to always see her. And uh, they, the Gestapo was afraid of her. Hitler was terrified of her. And uh, she was a very godly woman. She lived the last 36 years of her life without a single bite of food, and without a single drop of water, she existed solely on taking the flesh and the blood of Christ. One little wafer, sometimes 
when the minister would bring her the wafer, the wafer would leap off the plate and fly into her mouth. I don't know about all that, Pastor Stephen. You probably wouldn't want to visit her because when you walked into her room, uh, her and some of these other people that were, they were reaching like, we would call it oneness with Christ. It's like Christ is looking through them in your glass house. <laughs> so if you want to challenge the anointing, remember they can see everything going on in your life and people could walk in and she could, she could tell, she could just know all about them. She could read, she could read you like a book. And she'd read many people who were crooks and con people. <laughs> you could even bring her a relic, uh, you know, because in old Europe, relics were a big thing. You know, you could bring her a relic and uh, she could hold it in her hand and tell you if it was genuine, authentic or not. And of course, you know, like 95% of them weren't. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. But, uh, 36 years, no food, no water. Once she was asked how she could live on communion only. And she said, the Savior can do all things. Did he not say that my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink? See, you, you either believe it or not. Every promise of God, every provisionary means of blessing that God has provided, today, of course, we're talking about communion, you step into that blessing through faith. What gives you faith? The Word. We've looked at the Word today. But see, a lot of people look at it and say, oh, it can't be real. But you look at it, and you believe it, and you receive it by faith. And you step into it. Then you begin to receive the power that's associated with it. Praise God. Sister Martha Robin. She lived on communion alone, with no food, no water, for 53 years. By the way, uh, Teresa Newman was heavily checked also, just like Alexandria da Costa. Teresa Newman was checked day and night by doctors for long periods of time. Again, the doctors thought, oh, this is all fake stuff. And they eventually also just gave up and said, we have no medical explanation for this. We can't describe, we can't explain how she's living off of a cracker and an ounce of grape juice. <laughs> Martha Robin, 53 years, no food, no water, nothing but the little wafer every day and the little thing of juice. One time they said, oh, you've got to have some water. They tried to force water down her mouth. Some doctors did, and it just came out of her nose. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Mm -mm. Thank you, Jesus. St. Peter, uh, not, not St. Peter that hung out with Jesus, of course, one of the original 12. This is St. Peter of Alcantara, and uh, he was a spiritual advisor to St. Teresa of Avila. So he's, he's pretty much a heavyweight. If you have one of the greatest female mystic prophetesses coming to you for prayers and advice, then you obviously have a pretty strong walk with God, and he did. It says that it was quite common for him to eat only once every three days. Furthermore, he sometimes went a week without food, drawing, as it were, all his strength from the Holy Communion. He also had very little need for sleep. He slept for about one and a half hours every night, and he did that for 40 straight years, an hour and a half a night. As he's always working for the Lord <laughs> and praying and praying and just investing himself fully into God's kingdom. 
well, Pastor Stephen, where in the world is his body getting this energy? You're receiving the flesh. You are drinking the blood. And Jesus said, it's real food. It's real drink. Praise God. My friends, I just present these things to you and I leave them with you. And I invite you to explore communion further and the blessings that God has contained within it. And so before we take communion, I would like to give an invitation for anyone who doesn't know Christ as Lord and Savior. I would like to let you know that Jesus loves you. He died on the cross for you, and he paid the penalty for your sins. So when you put your trust in him, you, you receive all that he did for you while he hung on that cross as a sinless man paying the punishment that we all deserved for the sins we've committed. So if you don't know him, make your peace with God today. Pray right now. Pray this prayer from your heart. Just say it out loud. Pray it after me. Say, Jesus, I'm a sinner, but you died on the cross to save sinners like me. Jesus, I give my heart to you. Step into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me with your blood. Write my name in your book of life. And Jesus, lead me and guide me from this day forward. Thank you for saving me. In your name I pray. Amen. And amen. And my friends, he's heard that prayer. For those of you that just prayed that for the first time, let me say welcome to the family of God. You're my brother. You're my sister. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Now, as believers in Christ, we can all take communion together. This time I would like to invite you. Grab some unleavened bread. And leaven throughout Scripture has represented uh, sin. That's why we use unleavened bread. But at the same time, if all you have is normal bread, grab some of that. Some of that. If all you have is a cracker or a cheese it or whatever it might be, a Pringle or whatever, okay? Grab it. Use what you have. Praise God. And we also use grape juice. But if you don't have any yet, but you've got some apple juice in your fridge, grab what you've got. God will work with you and honor what you have. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the bread and the juice. We thank you, Father, that we don't necessarily need a priest to bless it because in Christ we have all become priests according to what you said in the new covenant. So we thank you, O God, that we bless this and set this apart as holy and that through this prayer, this is now the body and the blood of Yeshua, Jesus, our Savior. Father, as we receive the Lord's body, we thank you that according to Psalm 103, you put good things in our mouth. And the best thing that we can ever receive is communion. So, Father, we thank you that as we receive the Lord's flesh, that our youth is being renewed like the eagle. And we thank you that the knowledge of your word is coming alive in us. And we're understanding things. Even as in the scriptures we see they broke bread. And their understanding was suddenly uh, made aware of who they were talking to and what was taking place. And the scriptures would come alive. We thank you, Father, for the spirit of wisdom and revelation flowing. We give you praise. Thank you, Father, for the flesh of Jesus. We give you praise, O God. Amen. Let's receive.
Hallelujah. Praise God. Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. And that as we drink this cup, we thank you that what's not in him can't be in us. We thank you that a malfunctioning kidney was not in Jesus, so it's not allowed in us. We thank you, Father God, that being controlled and pushed around by the devil was not in Jesus. He was not chained by a spirit of infirmity. He was not bound up by a spirit of weakness. So that can't be in us. The devil can't control us. Oh God, we give you praise. We give you praise. We thank you, Father, that as we receive the blood of Jesus, that every hindering power is broken. Every hindering power is destroyed. We thank you, O oh God, that there's nothing stronger than the blood. We thank you, Father God. We give you all of the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's receive the Lord's blood. Union with Christ. Us and Him, yes, but also He and us. And when He comes into you, His nature is infused into you. There's a few that are watching that you're a little bit on the mousy side. You're a little bit uh, too much wanting everybody to like you. And that's not a reality in today's world. But you never... You never want to take a stand because that's a weakness. But I see the strength of Jesus, the lion of the tribe of Judah, coming into you now, and you're going to put your foot down and say, I can't look at that anymore. I can't laugh at things like that, and I don't want to hear things like that anymore. And some people will look at you in shock and say, well, what happened to you? You don't have to try to explain it to them. But you know exactly what happened to you. You've been taking communion, and you've been receiving a blood transfusion. And Jesus is changing you from the inside out. Praise God. Praise God. Father, I speak blessing over your people today, and as they go forth this week, I just thank you, Father God, that we are instructed concerning communion, that we can take it as often as we would like, and I thank you, Father, if your people want, they can take it every day. Maybe every other day, it's whatever they would like to do. But I just give you praise, Father. I thank you for new levels of victory being ex expressed through their life today and continuing on as they enjoy walking close to you through communion. Father, we give you praise. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me close by saying this. When I teach a message and we take communion, I can't keep you here all day long. So the communion may last five minutes, but when you are alone with God, you can really slow it down. And when you slow it down, you can bring out the beauty of it even more. There was a bishop over a monastery and he had, there was a monk 
that was very, very godly, having visions and supernatural experiences, walking in the glory of God. And often they would ask him to lead communion. But whenever he led communion at the monastery, it would like go on for like two hours. And some of the monks were just like, we can't, we can't handle this. Uh, this is just too long. And the monks went and talked to the bishop and they said, can you change? Can you get him to change? He said, yes. So the bishop talked to the monk and said, hey, you're going to have to speed it up. And so the monk sped it up and it made him absolutely just like, just sucked the life out of him. And the monk came back two weeks later and asked the bishop, please, can I, can we revert back to where we slow it down? And the bishop said, I'll only let you slow it back down if you, if you will explain to me why this is so important to you. And so the monk began to explain. And the bishop went back out, and he told all the other monks in the monastery, he said, from now on, we're going to slow it back down. Let him slow it down. And they all said, why? And the bishop said, he told me things in my private chamber of what he experiences when he takes communion. And he's being caught up to heaven. He's having spiritual visions and spiritual exorcies. And he's telling me things that have so blessed me. It has completely revolutionized the way I'm looking at communion. So he said he's allowed to slow it down as much as he wants. And, it, and the bishop said, hopefully we'll get pulled into some of this too. <laughs> slow it down. Enjoy your time with the Lord. Talk with the Lord. And I know for many of you, you're going to have some great experiences and encounters with the Lord in this area. Thank you for watching. And remember, our Israel tour, May 7th through 17th, 2023. I would love for you to come join my wife and I in Israel. We're going to have a great time. Till then, have a great week. I'll see you back next time. Bye-bye.